putting all this together. We come to the part of our service uh, where we open up God's word. Amen. John chapter 19 is where we will be this morning. John chapter 19. I want to talk this morning about some of the final words of Jesus as recorded in John's gospel, chapter 19, verses 28 to 30. Later, knowing that all was now completed, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. And a jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked it in a sponge, put the sponge on a stalk of hyssop plant, and they lifted it to Jesus' lips. And when he received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Let's pray. Father, I'm thankful for all the songs of praise this morning that have lifted you up for sending your only son to die on the cross. And as we celebrate this morning to rise from the grave. Father, we are thankful for your love and your mercy. I pray that you'll speak to us this morning, not only through the words of these songs, but also through your holy word. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I grew up in uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana, and you all may not know this, but I'm a big, or I was a big, Indiana Pacers fan. Now, when you think of the Indiana Pacers in the 1990s, you think of Reggie Miller. One of the highlights of Reggie Miller's Hall of Fame career came in a playoff game on May 7, 1995. I was 15 years old, and I remember that game. It was the second round against the New York Knicks. They played in Madison Square Garden. Patrick Ewing. And I get a whoop from Luke back there. Coached by the, the Hall of Famer, Pat Riley. There was 18 seconds left in the ball game. Patrick Ewing had just scored two points, and the Knicks were up by six points with 18 seconds left. Mark Jackson, the point guard for the Pacers, had brought the ball up. Reggie Miller eventually got the ball, drained a three. And immediately, Reggie Miller jumps into defense. There was a bad pass. Reggie steals the ball. He goes up and he shoots again and drains another three into the tie ball game. The Pacers foul John Stark, who misses both free throws. Reggie gets the rebound. He gets fouled. Now, he goes for the free throw, and unlike John Stark, he makes both of them The Pacers are now up by two points. Patrick Ewing gets the ball, and of course he choked like any good Georgetown player. (laughs) The Hall of Fame career of Reggie Miller will never be forgotten. This eight points in nine seconds, and Reggie Miller won the ball game. Now I want you to picture this scene with me. Jesus is the greatest of all time. Jesus is the Hall of Famer. He's the GOAT, right? 
If this were a basketball game, you'd want Jesus with the ball in his hand. He, he called the lame to walk. Jesus calmed the sea. He turned water to wine, folks. Jesus multiplied bread and fish. He raised the dead to life. And here Jesus is. He is beaten and he is dying on a cross. He's got the ball and now's his chance. Instead, he said it is finished. Joseph of Arimathea assumes a responsibility for the body. And Jesus is then laid to death in a tomb. And we look and say, this can't be right. This cannot be right. And yet the crucifixion of Jesus Christ was celebrated in the Bible. Paul told the Corinthians, my goal while I was with you was to talk about one thing. Jesus Christ crucified. You can read in 1 John 3.16 that this is how we know love. Jesus Christ crucified. That he laid down his life. And so as we read those words, it is finished. We know the end game. But if you're there, you're wondering what in the world does that even mean? We know three days later he would rise from the dead. We know this. But in the moment, what did Jesus mean when he said, it is finished? Author Max Licato writes, the history-long plan of redeeming man was finished. The message of God to man was finished. The works done by Jesus as a man on earth was finished. The task of selecting and training ambassadors was finished. The job was done. The song had been sung. The blood had been poured. The sacrifice was made and the sting of death was removed. Max Licato says it was over. And although we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead today, I also want to discuss and appreciate his death and what it means when he said, it is finished. Because through the death of Jesus Christ, the justice and mercy of God was on display. The death that Christ endured was the death that you and I deserved. And Paul said it perfectly in 1 Corinthians 15, 22, for as in Adam all died, the first man, so in Christ we're all made alive. God created man without sin, but Adam, that first man, sinned and brought death into the world. Jesus died once and for all so that we could escape death. Sin entered the world through Adam, and it exits the world through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is the justice and mercy of God that we see when Jesus says, it is finished. Justice, the penalty is paid. Mercy, we're off the hook. 
Dr. Andy Bannister writes, the cross is the cross-section of God's mercy and justice. And when true forgiveness or mercy is bestowed, someone has to pay the price for it. The cross offers true mercy, true forgiveness, but not at the expense of justice. God cannot sweep it under the rug. The perfect justice and mercy of God was on display when Jesus Christ was crucified. But it wasn't just justice and mercy, was it? We also see the love of God displayed when Jesus was crucified. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And it was an author and theologian, John Stott, who writes, the essence of sin is we humans being substituting ourselves for God. The essence of sin is that we as human beings substitute ourselves for God. And the essence of salvation is God substituting himself for us. God puts himself where we deserve to be. But listen to this. Jesus could have died in numerous ways. He could have contracted leprosy. I mean, he touched enough people. He could have gotten a fever. He could have gotten coronavirus. Jesus could have died at sea. There was pandemic during that time of smallpox throughout the Roman Empire. But Jesus didn't die that way. And the Gospels told us that many times people tried to kill Jesus, but it wasn't his time. And this is important because when Jesus says it is finished, he's also declaring the authority he has to lay down his life. And it was the Gospel of John in the 10th chapter when Jesus says, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down on my own accord. Jesus says, I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. He said, that command I received from the Father. He could have died in any way, but through his love, he chose, he had the authority to choose to die on the cross. And this is important. Timothy Keller writes it this way. It is crucial at this point to remember that the Christian faith has always understood that Jesus Christ is God. God did not then inflict pain upon someone else, but rather God absorbed the pain. He absorbed the violence, the evil of this world upon himself. And therefore, the God of the Bible is not some primitive God who, who demand blood for the wrath of the, to be appeased. Rather, this is a God who becomes human, offers his own lifeblood in order to honor moral justice and merciful love. So that someday he can destroy all of evil, listen to this, without destroying us. 
You see, it is finished means that the justice, mercy, and love of God has come together to rescue you and me from sin. It has come together to rescue you and me from death, a death that we certainly deserve. But God in his infinite wisdom, his justice, his mercy, and his love offers himself so that we could escape that penalty, so that we can escape that death. But then he rose from the dead. The women came to the tomb and they saw that it was empty. The cross had no power over Jesus. The tomb, the stone, it had no power over Jesus. He rose from the dead. He defeated death. And even as he said, it is finished, proving the justice, mercy, and love of God, he then turns around and proves the power of God over sin and death in this world. I love these songs that we have sung this morning. The choir is going to sing another song. It's a song about Christ the Lord and what he has done for us. And so I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask Aaron to come up and do the prayers for the people. And then the choir will come and, and sing uh, one more number so that you guys can hear this beautiful message that God's power has risen Christ from the dead. Pray with me. Father God, any of us this morning who have doubted your power, I hope that we are reminded. Reminded, Lord, that you are perfect in justice, you are perfect in mercy, you are perfect in love, that, Father, your power flows through the resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, and that, Lord, we are made new because of you. And I pray that anyone that has doubted the love of God will understand the love that you have for each and every one of us, no matter how far we've fallen, no matter how far we have gone into sin, that, Lord, you have brought us out of that sin, that your death is a perfect reminder of your love for us. And so, Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.